If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Sin, addiction, failure, it's all gone. You have a fresh start. The old you is dead and gone. The new has come. You see, God brought me out of the bondage of sin and death into the kingdom of life. This is the good news that Jesus died for you and me. So woe unto me if I do not preach this gospel. Hey guys, you're welcome to another interesting time on Salvation Talk with Anne. Today, I am seated here with an amazing personality. What around town is that she is one of the most influential young Christians in Nigeria. And I'm not even kidding. You can Google it. Many of you know her as Ezine Zara. So we'll just stick with that. Ezine has a blog called Bible Diary, which has been in existence over three years. Um, it has garnered over 250,000 views, 45,000 unique visitors and readers from over 100 countries around the globe so yeah she's pretty much a celebrity christian influencer i am humble to welcome the ezine zara aka orange writer to today's podcast thank you and for that enchanting introduction <laughs> Okay, I get you're trying to be <clears throat> Tell you what? humble. <laughs> no, it's always embarrassing, but it's fine. I understand. I'm getting used to it. I'm so, trying to get used to it. Yeah. So, um, you're just going to go straight into the podcast. You're going to be telling us your story, how you... Go- I'm sure your story is a lot that people want to hear. How you got saved. I'm sure you get it a lot. How you manage to stay on fire for God and all of these things. So, just tell us about... The Ezine that a lot of people did not know. The Ezine before you came to Christ. Hmm. Okay, so the Ezine that, you know, a lot of people did not know was very insecure, very troubled. Um, there are parts of my life that um, I, I have never spoken of ever. Nobody knows of. And I haven't gotten this the how would I say, be released from God to speak about them. Um, but they, they shaped me into the person that, you know, I am today. I'm also formed part of who I was. So I was very insecure. I struggled with depression. Um, yeah, that was basically it. But other than that, I tried so hard to be a good girl because I am a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I love to please people. I love to make people happy with me. I want them to like me. I want them to say, oh, Isn't is a wonderful girl. So <laughs> I I had this very um, pretentious personality where somebody might say something I don't like, but I'll smile at you and you won't know because I don't want you to think I'm an angry person. So I'll act like it didn't hurt me and then I'll be boiling inside. You understand? Yeah. I guess that's the reason <laughs> that nobody, you know, mm. knows. Okay, I know that you were Catholic, so basically you have a religious upbringing, I'm guessing. So um, can you just tell us about that phase of your life? Um, before I, I start, I want to give a small disclaimer. I've gotten messages from lots of people who have told me, you know, thank God, you know, God brought you out of the Catholic Church. You need to speak about it. And people who, who were Catholic who have told me, now I've left the Catholic Church, you know, I'm finally free. And I know that they are sending me this because in the past I, I voiced, um, I voiced my unhappiness with the Catholic Church. Oh. 
And I, I, I spoke about how um, I didn't like what they were doing. And I just said a lot of things. So because of that, people think I'm anti-Catholic mm-hmm. now. And for, for a large period of time, I was. Okay. But thank God in this kingdom, knowledge is progressively, you know, yeah. increasing light. And one thing God has shown me is that he's not happy about that. He's not happy about me saying, you know, yes, there are things that they, that they are not getting right. They yeah. are... There are things that are theologically wrong, but so is it in every church, really, in every Pentecostal church. I I don't like the hyper-grace message. I don't like the prosperity gospel, in quotes, you know, but I don't see people running off saying, never go to a Protestant church, never go to, you know. So I just feel like Catholics will make heaven. They will go to heaven. There are Catholics that will go to heaven. So, yeah. But growing up Catholic, you know, I believe that the Catholic Church was the church. That's how we were. It was kind of like a, how do I say, a very exclusive club. Let me put it that way. You feel like you're better than everybody else. You feel like your church is the is the church of Christ. Our our leader is Peter. This um, let me use a church. This Jesus Ministries church. They know who founded their own church. They're not even serious. Oh, it's Peter. Like we go way back to Jesus. That kind of thing. So I used to feel so purebred. Let me put it that way. Yeah, you feel like like is your blood that is clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was that pride, and then in the Catholic Church, they they teach you a lot of things. At times, the priest spends the whole homely, which is what they call the sermon. Homely, just talking about how Pente- Pente- Pentecostals are lost, literally. And so we have this haughty, you know, attitude and behavior. And then there was also the part of um, Catholicism teaches you that you make heaven by your works, really. I had never really understood the concept of being saved by grace. It, it, it's still hard for me. You know, I, I was just telling you, and I, I, I was reading Romans you know, yesterday, and I was just like, oh my God, is this real? It's Paul blasphemy because it's like, how can this be true? Because that's not what I was taught. And, you know, when when I I first, you know, started talking about God, I was very public about some of these beliefs. I had a lot of Christians that told me, you are horrible, you are blasphemy, you are teaching people to be saved by works. But that was what I honestly believed. And to a very large extent, I still believe it. I believe that now I understand that we are not saved by works, but our works are evidence that we have been yeah. saved. Yeah. But I had it, you know, the other way, which is what, you know, Catholicism teaches you that if you lie, you are going to hell. If you, um, if you fight with your sister, you are going to hell. And so we had something called confession yeah. where you have to go and confess your sins to the priest. And because I was a good girl, in quotes, most of my, you know, confessions were always, I quarreled with my sister, I did not obey my mommy when she told me to wash plates. And at the time, the priest was just tired of me. And he was like, see, you don't need to come and, you know, confess these things. Just kneel off. down in your room and just say, say it to, to God. But let me, let me just say that I have always wanted to, I have always been drawn to the supernatural. I always wanted a deeper thing with God. There's something in the um, Catholic Church that, you know, they, they, they call certain people who lead holy lives sin. Now we know that we are all sins. But then they were just special people who lived a whole And it was believed that they never sinned their whole lives. They never sinned. And so when they died, you know, beautiful things happened, like flowers just growing around their, their graves that, you know, nobody planted there or their tongues not, you know, decaying with the um, rest of the body or just 
Or when they died, flowers started falling, falling down from heaven. Just beautiful. And I was just, I used to say I want to be a thing. You know, I, I just wanted that supernatural, deeper thing. So I always wanted to be pure and clean. And so anytime I sinned, I'll run to the priest and I'm like, I grumbled when my mom did something that I felt was not fair. And the priest is like, get out of this place. Like, just kneel down by the bed and just tell God that you're sorry. But I was like, no, I need to confess it so I can go to heaven. You know, and then the priest will judge your sin in his mind, you know, and tell you to, and give you something called penance, which is like payment for your sin, right? So he will tell you, all right, so you should stay for our our father. So you will kneel down, you say four times, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And when you are done, you believe that that has taken away your sin. I'm sorry if there are, you know, Catholics listening to this, but that is so blasphemous because there is nothing apart from the blood of Jesus. And if you actually read scripture, which is Roman, that's what I was reading, I was like, is this real? Is this true? That, you know, there is nothing apart from the blood of Jesus that actually takes your sins away. No amount of community service, no amount of how nice or good you are, which is actually just pretentious because I'm sorry, but Catholics are some of the worst people, but they cover it up with, you know, I'm religious, I'm holy, I put my hands together, I'm very solemn. But after church, they are gossiping, they are the, they are the ones that are fornicating because they can just go and just, you know, com- confess it to the priest and then still sit down and feel holy, you know. And then they'll tell you if you don't say your penance and you're going home and a car hits you, you're going to go to hell because you've not confessed that sin. So it was just, it was just a very, burdensome relationship with God. One where you felt like God was constantly angry. He was out to, to, to get you. You know, he was so far away with unattainable standards of purity. And, you know, which I guess is how, excuse me, how the Israelites must have felt really. They must have felt that, that way that God is just this person that is just impossible to please him. Anything you do, damned if I do, damned if I don't, I might as well live my life, you know? So that was the relationship I had as a Catholic. And if there are any Catholics that are honest listening to this, they will agree that, yes, this is what it is to be Catholic. It's walking a tightrope and trying not to fall. Yeah. That's literally what it is. Wow. it is to be a Catholic. Wow. So you talked about being a people pleaser and then all of the things that you had to fight while you were not yet in Christ. Can you just tell us a bit of how those things affected you? It still affects me, even now. <laughs> I guess um, it, it's a um, continuous process of healing like i said i just read your romance just yesterday <laughs> all these beautiful things and i'm like i'm even scared to believe them because they go against go against a framework in my mind mm-hmm. a stronghold yeah. so um in terms of people pleasing i guess that was what brought on the depression because I, 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 I was trying to please God, trying to please my parents, trying to please my classmates. I wanted everybody to have a good opinion of me. And anytime somebody came to me and said, isn't it, you did this thing I did not like, I made it my identity. I said something like, wow, I'm a horrible person. Instead of, let's say, okay, let me give an example. So, okay, I was also bullied when I was growing up. So I felt like I was bullied because there was something about me that was not pleasing. That was why I was singled out to be bullied. So it was just this constant thing of trying to get people's approval. So if somebody comes to me and says, ah, isn't it this your shoe is ugly and they're laughing, I will not think this person is unkind. I will think what is wrong with me that I cannot afford nicer shoes. I am such a 
ugly looking person. My presence is offensive to people. Like that is what you actually come in my head. And then I'll find that I'll start trying to make it up to that person somehow for offending them with my presence. It, it was, it's terrible. And I'm sure there are many people that can, you know, relate to this, but you know, I didn't even know how bad it was until I met my fiance. Um, you know, we started cutting and, you know, relationships that are godly can be like a mirror. They just show you who you really are. And, you know, I would say something, he, he would say something, I would say, why, why are you saying that I'm stupid? And he's like, I, I never said that. <laughs> you know, and I'll be like, but that's, that's the interpretation. Yeah, yeah because yeah. I'm trying to please this person. So it's, it's an exhausting, unattainable thing. You will never please everybody. That people that will just, even just look at you because you're fair, they don't like you. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I would just look at you and just say, this girl looks like as if her, her, her life is easy. And your life may not be easy, but they won't like you because of that. And there's nothing you can do. So, yeah. Well, it looks like there's a lot of learning and unlearning uh, you had to Oh, my do. God. Still <laughs> learning, learning and unlearning. Still. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who has a theory. She says that in Christianity, we don't learn anything. We unlearn everything. Yeah. So, I just believe that that's actually pretty accurate. So, yeah. Wow. Okay, so tell us about how you finally came to Christ, like how you started to have this personal relationship with God. At what point in your life did you realize that I need a Savior? Um, thank you for that. I need a Savior. Very important because as Catholics, you don't feel you need a Savior. You know, as, as, as um, Catholics, it's, it's that you are the one getting yourself into heaven. Yes, it's a very personal responsibility-based belief. So I felt like I was good. I was better than all these people sitting there in this church. I had never fornicated. I had never gone to the club. I had never smoked. God must be mighty pleased with me. Like, when I die, you're going to make me a saint. Duh. Meanwhile, just even that pride was so disgusting to God because scripture says that God opposes the proud, yeah. but he gives grace to the humble. So which means in that moment, God was just, was against me, which is scary, you know? But I felt like, yeah, you know, me and God are Jesus. But I just thank God because scripture mentions how there are those who God has predestined as his own already. Yes. I believe that by God's mercy, mercy, I'm one of them because even in that state, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Even though, you know, there are not many people who know that something is wrong. They feel like everything is okay. But I knew something was wrong. I would pray and it would be like my prayer was not going beyond the roof. I felt cut off from God. That's the only way I could explain. And I did not know how to articulate that because I was doing everything correctly. So why am I cut off from God. It just didn't make any sense to me. So I would go to the priest, I would confess, I would cry, I would say, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And yet, I just know that God yeah. is not on my side. I just know that there is a disconnect. And the priest would tell me, oh, just keep praying. So I kept, you know, I felt, I thought, okay, maybe I, just need, I need to just try harder. Mm-hmm. So I was more good. I won't gossip. I would try. I was trying so hard. And you know, when I was 13, God spoke to me for the first time in my life. He told me, I want us to be close. I want, I, I want intimacy. Is that what he told me? And I remember telling God, um, you know, that's just not possible. Because you see, I have a very busy life. Um, I go to school. I have friends. I come back home. There's TV. I understand that you want us to be close. But you see, the way the Israelites were close to you in the Bible, it's not just feasible in this day and time. And this just brings me to say that, 
as Christians, it can be very easy to look at people who are in the world mm -hmm. and to see how they say the Bible is not a culturally relevant book and to be angry, like, how can you say that? But the truth is that they are in darkness. They are not seeing. And that is the limit of their knowledge. At that point, I felt like there's no way somebody can work with God in this day. There's too much to do. God possibly cannot expect you to pause your life and just sit down and be praying. It seemed unreasonable. You understand? And I remember that God just never spoke to me again. And after that, I started feeling that, you know, cut off from him. So I was depressed, feeling depressed, struggling, just trying to make sense of my life. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know how to fix it. And then I got a boyfriend. So I've spoken about this boy so many times that I'm sure he regrets ever this. <laughs> I'm sure he regrets ever dating me, but he's part of my testimony. I don't know how to tell you to start talking about him. And it's not that he was a horrible person. I, like the other day I was thinking about it and I was just feeling so bad because I'm sure he will regret ever crossing paths with me. He's not a horrible person. He's just part of my testimony. And that was just the limit of his knowledge. You know, um, I've never mentioned his name and I thank God for that. Um, you know, we started dating. I know that he, he you know, he too was acting based on the limit of his knowledge as I was. You know, we were both lost and in darkness and, you know, yeah. And he liked me, you know, and I remember that we had been dating for a while when he told me that his friends were laughing at him, that he's in a friend zone in his own relationship. I remember I was, just, I was very, very naive and very innocent. So I was like, oh, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, we never do anything together. And I just became scared because... Hello, I'm still trying to be a saint. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, used to, I used to hear of girls that would say, oh, you know, they went to the boy's house, the boy touched them, yeah, the boy. I was just like, oh, my goodness, will never be me, Saint Ezine of Nigeria. Like, I'm never going to be that person, you know. So I, I, I was very scared because I did not want to lose him, you know, because I really liked him. I didn't want to lose him. But at the same time, I, I was trying to fix this thing that I knew was wrong with me and God. So. Yeah. You know, eventually he started giving me a cold shoulder, started giving me an attitude. I started feeling like, oh my God, if I didn't do what this guy wanted, he would leave me, you know? And he would, he would even go on Twitter, he would be flirting with other girls on Twitter. Then Twitter was not the way it is now. Then Twitter was very, you know, different. So he would be tweeting, you know, at all these girls, oh, you know, you look so nice. I'll be like, oh my God, Jesus, take the wheel. So yeah, so one day he told me, to come over to his house. I went and, you know, I got there and I was trying to talk to him because, you know, I had this image in my head of the kind of relationship I wanted. I wanted somebody who loved me for who I was. I wanted somebody who, who would be my friend. That was important to me. So I was always trying to establish this friendship thing with him and he was just there miss me with that. So <laughs> um, I remember I was trying to talk to him and then he was trying to kiss me. And I was just like, no, I don't want this thing. And he was, he just became angry. He was just like, what is wrong with you? You know, because we had had convos where he was telling me because I was a virgin. I still am a, you know, virgin. But, you know, he, he was, he, he was telling me, what are you keeping it for? What, what are you using? Like, you know, nobody's keeping it, you know, anymore. And that even, even his mom used to tell his sisters that they have to get ready for their husbands. But I guess that was in terms of house chores. But he was saying, like, I want to teach you how to please your husband, which is just, I'm sorry, demonic, because, yeah. because it's like, 
wait, what? But at that point, I didn't even have the knowledge that I have now. I was just thinking, oh, could this be true? Perhaps my husband doesn't want me to come naive. He wants me to have gone to go and acquire the skills somewhere else, then come and now really please my husband, yeah. which is a lie because if that happens, then you come into your marriage with brokenness, with, yeah. with soul ties, yeah. with, oh, it's just a mess, you know? But I didn't know all this. So he would just kept on trying to convince me, you need to learn. You, and I'm here to help you. I want to teach you. Which should have even, you know, told me that this guy is not doesn't have long-term plans for you. If he's saying he wants to prepare you for your husband. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have long-term plans for you. <laughs> you know, but I was so young and so naive. So, you know, that just didn't even occur to me. So eventually I allowed him to, persuade me. I, I allowed him to convince me to let him touch me. Eventually, you know, when he was done with what he wanted to do with me, I felt so dirty. I can't explain how dirty, even though like all my clothes were still on. I didn't take off my clothes, but I felt so dirty. I felt violated. I felt I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I don't know how people do this and they're normal. Like, they just do it on, like, a regular basis. And, you know, they are going to the office. They are going to... I couldn't function, literally. I was running temperature because I just felt... I just felt like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Yeah. I remember that my best friend, Olichi Aitin, dates. I messaged her then, and I was like... I didn't tell her what, what happened, you know. I just told her, you know, I went to see this person and everything. And then I got back home. I just shut down. I shut down completely. And when we first started dating, I made him promise me that if he ever wanted to cheat, he would just leave. He yeah. would not like do it when I'm there. So eventually after two days, I was ready to now come out of that funk. I remember that I went to take a shower when I got back home from his house. I kept scrubbing my body, trying to take out the dirt that I knew was inside me. I believe that that was the mercy of God to even feel, to even feel, Feel what was actually happening in the spirit physically was the mercy of God. It was the first time I ever recognized that I was a sinner. Before then, I, I felt like I was perfect. I was good. Yeah. I needed to just try harder. But in that moment, I just knew that if I am just pushed in a particular way, I'm no better than anybody else. I'm a mess. So I remember just crying in the night and crying to... So some people who are listening, this might be like a, you know, dramatic reaction to, to it might be like, girl, you need to chill. But I feel like if God shows you the weight of sin, you can't be it. And which was what happened. He showed me the weight of what I had done, of letting somebody who was not my husband have access to my body in any way, yeah. you know. And I remember um, eventually the guy called me and he was like, yo, been doing this thing for years, won't stop doing it, still want to keep doing it. Are you down? And I was like, no, I, I never want to do that again. And he was like, you know, don't worry, the more you do it, you get used to it. I was like, I don't want to do it again. And so he was like, okay, since I don't want to cheat on you, I think it's best we end this relationship. And that really hurts, you know, because I thought that he would be like, okay, I care about you, so let's stop, you know. But he was like, yeah, if I can't get it from you, I can get it from someone else, and that's what I'm going to just do. So I guess, you know, Looking back now, I'm grateful that he let me go. Yeah. You understand that he didn't try to persuade me to keep on because I would have compromised. So I'm grateful to him for actually letting me go. And it was during that time I went through my, you know, heaviest bout of depression. I closed my window for four days. I didn't want any light to come in because I wanted my room to reflect how I was feeling mm -hmm. on the inside. And I was feeling 
blackness. So I remember he was in the midst of that whole, you know, thing that, and he just moved on so, so quickly. You know, he just moved on. He was dating some, like he was just talking to girls and like as if nothing happened. Meanwhile, I was recovering from having given my body to somebody that didn't even value it. And, you know, God spoke to me. He told me, what about that book that your friend gave you? Because I had gone to see my friend a while ago and she gave me a devotional that I just threw because I'm Catholic. We don't do stuff like this. We are the original Christians. So I just threw that thing somewhere in my room. So God told me, you know, go and find that book. So I went. I didn't even know it was the Holy Spirit talking to me. I didn't know it was God. I just felt, yeah, moved to do certain things. So I just opened it. And the first thing I saw was, do you want a new life? Jesus can give you a new life. So some people may be like, yeah, blah. But to me, that's what I was looking for. I was looking to start all over again because I had spent days saying how I wish I could start all over again. I can't do what I have done. How yeah. I wish I could just erase this mistake. Yeah. And here is something telling me you can erase the mistake. You yeah. can start all over again. It's, it will be like it never happened. So I grabbed that teacher's both hands. And that was how I got saved. I just, you know, recited the prayer I saw there and just believed that by saying that prayer, God had forgiven me of my sin. Wow. That was how I got saved. That's a very, very amazing story. I've not heard you say it like this. Yeah, I, I probably never have. Before. <laughs> okay. So basically, one thing that I've been learning that I know, but it has just become a reality as I've been doing this podcast is how how attentive God is, how God mm. is just somewhere behind the scenes yes! doing all of these yeah. things. Like, you know, that's that longing you've been having. You've been having a hunger for God, but you've been channeling it in the wrong direction. So I just realized, you know how how they say reckless love when God is chased. God actually chases after us. He's just waiting for that point. And most of us, we get to that breaking point before we actually realize that I can't really do this on my own. I actually need a savior to help me. That's very good to know. So um, when you came to Christ, how did it feel? How did you how did you move on? Your your friends that you had, how did you have to just leave your past behind and start this new life now in quotes? Um, when I gave my life to Christ in the second that I did, it felt wonderful. I literally felt a weight. I just felt yeah. him take away everything. The dirtiness I had been feeling just lifted immediately. It was like Wow. I remember I had only two gospel songs on my phone. <laughs> and even that was a lot. I used to be really into rap, Nicki Minaj, Drake, Rihanna, all those people. I was that kind of person. So I had two gospel songs. It was Kirk Franklin, Imagine Me. If that song spoke so deeply to me because he used to say, imagine me being free, loving you. You know, I used to be like, God, you know, imagine, imagine me, me. actually. Like, yeah, imagine me and um, Identity by Fortune and Fear. Those two songs shaped my Christianity when I just started. So uh, it was wonderful. It was amazing, you know. And then I put on my Twitter and I saw all of my old tweets. You know, still just, they're just looking at me like, welcome, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I just thank God. I can't claim anything as, you know, it was me. I just thank God because how I even genuinely believed that I was different, I don't even know where it came from, but I genuinely just believed I was different. And so I was scared that I I knew I couldn't continue tweeting the things I used to tweet 
So I was like, but if I start tweeting about God, people will say, oh, this girl, from where to where now? I was even scared that the boy I had done something with would come and be like, yo, was it not you that I was just with, you know? Because he had been tweeting about me without tweeting about me. They, they used to call it subs then, yeah. <laughs> subbing, oh my God, he's been as old as me. Oh my God, it's called subbing. So he posted this picture of a girl and a guy sitting down together on a bed. The girl's legs were crossed, but they were like, in, they were twined, they were yeah. intertwined like this. And he captioned it when she acts like a bad, a bad bee on the tail. But when you meet her in person, she's this, 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 this. Oh this, my this. God. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> it was painful because, you know, I was well known, actually. Not as well known as I am now, but in some circles, people knew me. I was the cool kid. I was, you know, I was, people liked me. I was his name, you know? So I was just like, how to come and start tweeting about God? So I started tweeting just the verses from the devotional that I was reading. So there, had just, there was just always this eagerness to share what I had with others. It wasn't because I wanted to help people. I'm sorry. She think I wanted to help you. It wasn't, it wasn't because I wanted to even be popular. It was it's just that thing of when you fall in love, you want everybody to know you are in love. You want everybody to, you don't want to just talk about this person. That's how it was. Exactly like the woman at the well. That was just yeah. like, what in the world? Yeah. Everybody has to hear about this man I just met. Yeah. So that was my own, um, you know, why I went and I started tweeting, you know, and gradually, gradually, I guess I just started losing that fear oh yes yes there was a there was an experience that made me lose the fear completely prior to this i was still afraid still i went off social media for six months because i felt like yeah but so i just went off social media for six months i didn't tweet i didn't do anything i wasn't online and then in may 2015 i had an encounter with god where somebody in my in my hostel which i have to is a whole other story was possessed by demons and I was the one God revealed it to. Now keep in mind that I'm just, I'm just, you know, out here. I just got saved. I don't know what's going on. I'm Catholic, you know, and then this girl in my room is manifesting Jesus be, be the center because I don't even understand what is going on. But I saw such an, such a display of the power of God that I knew that God was real. I knew I had, I, I couldn't live anymore. Like he wasn't real. I had to tell people. So I tweeted about it. And it blew up. And after that, I just became more bold. And I just started to just tweet more. It wasn't like I said I was tweeting to get a following. I wanted people to know that God is real. And if he is, then we can't live like he isn't. And I just became more and more vocal and just more and more vocal. And I just stopped caring less, especially when I saw that God was real. It was just like, I really can't care what my ex will say because when I stand before him, none of that will matter anymore. So it just became a thing of, and I have to just say that it was God because saying this out loud doesn't make any logical sense. There are people who still care. So what do you say about those people, you know? And then about friends, you asked about friends. Um, even up until recently, I, I, I lost friends. And that's because for, for each level God calls you to, the higher God calls you, the more there are people that can go there with you. And it's not a thing of pride. I remember one time I was scrolling on my Instagram. God speaks to me in different ways. And I saw a picture. The picture said, as your life changes, so will your circle. And I just knew that God was telling me that the friends you have now, I was very close to these girls. God said, 
you're no longer going to be close to them. I was like, how is it, how is it going to happen? But then it happened. We are no longer close. And God was like, because where I'm taking you to, there has to be, this, this, these people can't go with you. I'm not like I see they are bad. They just will not be comfortable in that environment. And you will have, and you will feel like you have to somehow shrink yourself to make them comfortable. And since you don't want to do that. So, yeah. So I, I, I lost friends, but I guess I, I, I don't really feel it because the friendship that, the friendships that I have are amazing. I have Oluchi, Angel, Mars, so many amazing godly people that, you know, support me and love yeah. me. And, and God yeah. deliberately put this Yeah, God puts these people in, in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I'm just wild, really. <laughs> um, okay. Now you're in Christ and all. Of course, we all know <laughs> that it's not an easy journey. So um, how does knowing Christ shape your perspective of life, especially in this day and in this age where people have diverse opinions concerning certain things? How, how do you cope with you being the unique one that has Christ and has a different perspective about life? Um, when I got saved, it was just because I wanted to know God. That has always been the most important thing in the world to me. And that's what has been helping me. Anytime anything happens, I ask God for his opinion on it. I, I, I try not to have my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's only what does God think about this? When I come online, when I first, you know, started being vocal and just really just expressing my opinions, and I had a lot of Christians insulting me, lambasting me, leaving me long messages, it made me sick to my stomach, to be honest, because... I really was pleasing God. Even though I may have been wrong, I was pleasing him. He was happy. He could see my heart. And I had to block many of them just because I, I just couldn't. The words were so hateful. You know, I had people tell me I was trying to push my own agenda. I was like, what the heck is my agenda? Like, You know, I had people say I'm trying to scare people. You know, I had people say, oh, it's just amazing that it's never Muslims or unbelievers it's always christians you know coming after you and just tearing you apart and just yeah you know one thing that has kept me is authenticity openness and i was you know talking about it with you um when i got saved the enemy would come to me and he would tell me god does not exist he told me that god does not exist you will die and you will find that you wasted your life and i asked god honestly i said god if you're out there I was done with trying to force anything. And even till date, that's how it is. The other day, I stayed up in the parlor. I was crying and I was praying and I was telling God, I read my Bible. I see that the apostles did these things. I see that you did all these things. Why am I not seeing it in this day and age? If it is real, then prove it, then show me. I, I will never be that person who will just come and just talk. And there's no evidence of the things I'm talking about. And I told God that, you know, is it that these things are real or they are not? And if they are real, you must use my hands to do them. I, I must see. I don't want that. I had Apostle Selma healed somebody. Oh, that's nice. Why can't I do it? What, what's so special about him? The same Holy Spirit that is in him is in me, you know? So I feel like for me, what has kept me going is my authenticity with God. I don't hide from him. I don't pretend to be what I'm not. I don't claim to have the answers that I don't have. I am just always real with him. And when I read Psalms, David was always real with God. David would tell God, where the, where the heck are you? My enemies are closing in on me. He didn't try to force faith. Like, okay, even though my enemies are closing, I know that God is on my side. Even though his heart is shaking, he was honest. And because he was honest, God was able to meet him where he was. So 
I just always try to be real and to be honest. Yeah. Watch for that. That's really helpful. Wow. I'm going to stop here because if I keep asking you questions, you're going to have things to say to me. And who knows, we might have to do a part two of your podcast. But it's okay, it's fine. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Thank you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Yeah. Nice. that's how we've come to the end of today's podcast um i didn't expect time to go by this fast looks like she has just been talking for a few minutes thank, thank you so much for listening um if you want to hear more revelation <laughs> and if you want to hear more deep stuff you can follow Izzy on instagram at orange writer that's if you don't already follow her so you can follow her on instagram at orange writer and you can also follow me on instagram at anointed that is an with an e yeah, anointed yes <laughs> so thank you so much for listening see you next time bye bye